and I'm going to I'm going to go live on Facebook as well. So it'll just be I think me on the screen, but this way I can promote clean speech as well. So give me one more second. I don't know what not what not sure what happened with Mona. Uh, Steve, how are you doing? Very okay. good, Zev. Thank you. Sorry, I, 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 I muted myself before. Okay. Um, so uh, afterwards, when I well, let me should I just pause the recording? Just hold on. I'll pause. Um, okay. So first of all, uh, I'm going to dedicate this class in honor of Steve's two children getting married. In the next uh, couple of weeks, that's very, very exciting, Steve. I give you a big, big bracha that all the preparations, everything should go smoothly and the wedding should go well and you should enjoy every minute of it. Um, and I'm very, very excited for you. Thank you. And Cindy. So uh, uh, we'll talk some more. You know, I'm starting to get starting to get ready for our son's wedding. I know, in, yeah. Which is in six weeks' time. And you're all invited to come to Lakewood on December the 21st. Uh, it should be a, a lot of fun. Uh, all together, I'm thinking of uh, running a men's mission to Lakewood sometime, like a two-day trip to Lakewood, get a tour of Lakewood and sit and learn some Torah in, uh, in the biggest yeshiva in the world. So let me know what you, let me know what you think That's about that. That's interesting. I'd like yeah. So, okay, so let's get started, and I'm going to start just by uh, playing a, a video just to promote clean speech. I don't know if any of you watched CBS News yesterday. Marty, did you watch CBS News yesterday? I did. Did you see, did you see the, the video about clean speech? I did. And what did you think? I thought it was great. Okay, so that's... Uh, uh, it was a very well done video. Yeah, I was really excited. It came. Uh, first of all, we were fortunate. The weather was great, and and this guy Jim Williams did a great job. Steve, did you get a yeah. chance to see it yet? I, I did. I did not. I did. Okay, know so I'm going to play that. it. For, I'm going to play it for you now. I'm going to just share the screen and um, uh, let me. Well, I know Steve and I happen to watch always uh, CBS. So we, yeah, we're big CBS I, people, and for I'm, some I'm reason, like yesterday, I, I think. You know what? I call, remember Steve. I called you last night. I think you went to bed. Oh, that's you when you exactly, were watching. In fact, I yeah. called you exactly at ten o'clock. Yes, you did. I went to sleep a little early, and I last watched night. the news. Yeah, and it was. I know it was on in the morning and in the afternoon. Was it when? When did you see it, Marty? I, I think I saw the ten o'clock news. Oh, so it on a few times. Wow. Okay, yeah. so Steve, I'm going to play this. Let me just share the screen with you. Can you see the? Can you see the Morning Insiders? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to press play. And Marty, I hope you don't mind watching it a second time. But yeah, we go. No, we of course go. not. No, I don't mind at all. Okay, here we go. Oh. Oops. Well, maybe you know what? On the menu. Mass vaccines, elections, just three topics that can easily add unwanted drama to the dinner table. Morning Insider Jim Williams tells us about one program that shows you how to keep your festive meal friendly. Oh, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? What were you saying? They're still in grade school, yet these preteens are already taking some wise words to heart. It shows us 
how our words are very important and how they can impact people for the good or for the bad. Especially in a polarized country when adults at odds express their views with vitriol. But we're also not stupid. I think a whole society is at stake. I really do. With so much at stake, Rabbi Zev Khan is trying to bring down the temperature. A little decorum. In our public discourse and in our private conversations. Conversations that could easily spin out of control even at the family Thanksgiving dinner table. A whole country is being torn apart by negative speech and especially on social media and especially in the last couple of years. Rabbi Khan's solution is called Clean Speech, a program in print and online showing us how to speak to loved ones and strangers alike. We're starting a new Thanksgiving tradition. Everybody's got a Thanksgiving tradition. We're starting the Clean Speech Thanksgiving tradition at our family. Clean Speech Illinois has this workbook, 30 days of lessons toward respectful and civil speech, but there are nuggets you can put to use right now. One tip, learn to be a better listener. If you rearrange the words listen, it spells the word silent. Bracelets are also a good reminder. The clean speech curriculum is taught here at Airy Crown Hebrew Day School and at other schools and in communities across the country. That could change the world, make the world a better place. And who doesn't want to make the world a better place? It's not about restricting speech. It's about expanding our speech, enhancing our speech, allowing people who have disagreements to be able to disagree in a respectful way. Along with turkey and sweet potatoes, they're hoping clean speech is added to the Thanksgiving menu. In Skokie, Jim Williams, CBS 2 News. Now the program has some other tips for a peaceful holiday. Put a card on the table that says this will be a clean speech dinner or change the subject if the discussion gets a little heated and be prepared to bring other topics that will lead to a civil and respectful conversation. We have a link to Clean Speech 30's program on our website, cbschicago.com. You can also find it on our CBS Chicago app. Just look for the section called Morning Insider. Well, congratulations, our famous rabbi. So uh, it's very exciting. It's very, very exciting because we put a lot of work into it. It really wasn't me, Rabbi Cohen, you know, brought it out at the schools and it's been very successful there. Um, now, do you know what I would love all of you to do is to actually go on to cleanspeech.com slash Illinois and register to get the email every day. We're only on day 10 and you can forward it to your, we can, you can forward it to your friends. So uh, it has excellent, you know, suggestions on how to make not just Hanukkah, I mean, not just Thanksgiving, but also Hanukkah uh, pleasant. And, you know, even at a wedding, Steve, you know, there are going to be people, they're going to be people coming. Um, they're going to be people coming to the wedding and you want them to be respectful. You don't want them to get into, you know, arguments. Somebody's wearing a mask. Somebody's not, uh, somebody feels this way about a certain issue. Someone feels a different way, so that might be a that might be a good thing to you know to register for. So uh, let's at the end of the class, I'm going to play you today's lesson, which I think you'll enjoy as well. Uh, but Marty, um, have you had a chance to watch any of the videos on YouTube? I think I watched one of them. Okay. 
but I don't remember to be frank with you. Okay, so, uh, you know, this is a grassroots program and we've had a lot of, you know, good response, but we really need, you know, people all around Chicago and around the country really to promote it. So I know that you've got a big group of friends all over the world, Marty, so maybe you'll, uh, you'll encourage them to watch it. The good news is it's going to be going on, like I said, till the end of November and then March we want to run it again in Champaign. And next November, we're bringing it back to Chicago. So this is going to be an annual program that we hope is going to keep on going and it's going to make a real difference. Yeah, I already registered, Zev. I just registered. It takes 30, not even 30 seconds. That's right. All right. Thanks again, Steve. So so this week's Torah portion is called Vayetze. Vayetze means that Yaakov left and... um, uh, just hold on one second. I don't know why. Hello? Okay, so back to Vayetze. So this is the Torah portion where, where Yaakov fle- is leaving Beersheva because he's fleeing from his brother, Esau, who wants to kill him. And he ends up... Uh, going to uh, the same place where his mother comes from, Rivka, and he ends up getting married to uh, Leah and then uh, Rachel, Rachel, and two maidservants, and he has 12 children. And those become the 12 tribes of the Jewish people. And what's significant about uh the, the names of each of the tribes is that each of the names means something. And Judaism always says that the name that you give a child is very, very important. It means something, makes, uh, makes a difference to a person. So, uh, and the, the rabbis even say that a, a parent has got some kind of divine inspiration, what to name, what to name their, their children. So I don't want to talk so much about that. What I do want to talk about uh, is the fact that uh, the fact that Yaakov gets tricked by Lavan, who's his uh, brother-in-law, uh, into into first of all marrying uh, Leah before Rachel, but also working you know many many more years than he originally intended he wanted to go back to his his parents and then also while he was working uh he was also being tricked while he was being while he was working so um what i what i steve what we've been doing a little bit recently and then i'm going to come back and share another beautiful idea towards him but we want to try and make this class a little bit more interactive so what i just want to what i want to ask you is uh and you don't have to go into great details over here but uh and and remember we're talking about clean speech in Illinois, so you have to be careful not to mention names of people or exact incidents but just a more general discussion is have you ever been mistreated at work has an employer ever treated you unfairly? And how can you tell an employer, um, 
How do you help him recognize that he's being unfair or abusive? What, what steps can you take if some employer is being you know, unfair? So, Steve, I'll start with um, I'll start with you. Just either you or people that you that you know. Uh, have you ever been subject to injustice when you've worked? And it could have been when you were twenty years old, or it could be when you you know fifty years old. I mean, I would say it was when I was, you know, my, y- younger, working for um, you know for a camp for for a day camp by the by the owner of of the camp. Yes. Um, you know, screaming at at at, at me, you know, and here yeah. I am. Uh, really almost, I remember I worked an entire summer for a hundred dollars. I was 15 years old and, you know, just to basically said to him, this isn't worth it. Would, you know, would, you know, I, I said to somebody, these there's children here, they see, you know, th- those are his clients. So it's basically like, you know, somebody screams at somebody at, at a company in front of a client, the client goes home it reflects badly on the company. Right. So he may think that, that, that screaming at me or mistreating an employee is going to make the company better. I would argue it makes it worse. And to do it in front of somebody else is really, wow. really to me, the, the ultimate Shonda, because um, I've had issues with clients and I've seen, I mean, with employees and I've seen other people, the way they deal with employees. And I've said, you've got an issue. You take the person out, privately and you discuss it with them there's no reason to berate them in front of other people that really in my opinion when i see somebody do that i lose all in any respect for the person who does that right and steve i mean do you did that did that affect you in in a, in a negative way going forward or did it teach you a lesson that you know i'm never going to do something like that i mean i know it, it, i know it, your parents i know you know they they raised you in a home that you would never do such a thing, but how did that incident impact you? You know, looking back at it now. Yeah. So it, it impacted me, you know, at the time as a, as a child, you think it's impacting you in a negative way, right. but as you get older, um, it impacted me in a powerful way, in a, in a positive way, because a, I didn't want to be treated like that. And I saw how wrong it was. So I'm, you know, would say I'm never going to do that. He, he may have done that, Right. But I'm never going to do that to somebody. Yeah, and I, I like to think people who've worked with me, I've had employees, and still to this day, um, do speak about me very positively and, and being fair and, and just. And mm. you know, there's never a reason to raise raise your voice with somebody. You you can convey the same message without without doing that. Yeah, you know that's amazing that you learned that lesson at such a at such a young age. I, you know, this the 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 first volume of Clean Speech is about speaking uh, about someone not in front of them. Speaking lush and horror is typically spoken not in front of someone, but there's a whole category of harmful words called onias devarim which is when you embarrass or hurt someone in front of other people or to, in, you know, to that person's face, even if there's no one else around. And it's a very, very severe, you know, prohibition. Uh, and that's going to be the subject of, you know, clean speech year two. Um, and uh, there, it's very, very difficult to undo the damage that you do. 
with something like, like that. You know, um, you can physically abuse someone, but when you when you verbally abuse someone, that can really that that's that's almost impossible to heal if it's really uh, if it really makes a, an impact on someone. Um, now, uh, we just lost Marty for a second. Maybe he's going to come back. Um, so, you know how how do you react when you are the subject of you know, abuse? Now, when you're 15 years old and it's an adult that's much older than you, there's not much you can do. Um, uh, and this is actually a very important. This is a very important. Uh, like I would say, proviso in the whole the whole area of not speaking Lashahara and the whole area of not speaking on nice Devarim is that if if saying something bad about someone is going to protect someone, then you are allowed to speak Lashahara. In fact, it becomes a mitzvah to say Lashahara. So a lot of people think that. Give me, give an example of, can you give an example? Yeah, of that? exactly. So I would say in, in this particular example, you know, uh, it, when you came home that night to your parents and you were the subject of this abuse, let's say, you know, if you. I if told you them I wanted to quit is what I did. Right. And, and you so, know, they, they told me, no, you're not going to quit. You're going to show them who's the bigger person. I remember my dad saying. That wow. To me. Wow. Um, but did did. um did you tell them who it was and did they take any action at all to prevent it from happening again? Or how did that scenario play out? At that point, no, but if it happened, if it happens again, right. um, you, you will, you will leave and, and, and I will right. let, let them know about it. So, right. So this is a perfect example, Steve, of, of where you would be allowed to say loss and horror. Now, now, let's say, for example, somebody at your camp, one of the count, one of the campers with, you know, or one of, let's say you were a counselor, another counselor. Let's say they did something that was not very nice, and and you come home that night and your parents say, "Well, how was camp?" Um, if you say, "Well, I had a great day," uh, and you want to tell them that there was an incident that you know where you know you had an unpleasant experience now uh if they are not going to be able to do anything about it and it wasn't that serious then you don't need to mention the person's name you might want to vent and say that uh you know this thing happened to me and i'm upset that it happened and they might say to you well if it happens again let us know but in this particular situation where it was the actual you know the owner of the camp um then uh, it's quite clear when you tell your parents what happened that they know it's a person who's position of authority and, and, and they, they're going to know who the person is. But in this particular situation, I would say that it's, uh, it's perfectly acceptable to say what you said because you wanted to protect yourself and not just protect yourself. You wanted to protect other people as well. Now, I don't, I don't think that the right course of action would be to the right course of action would be to uh, make it public and close the camp down, you know. Uh, and like you said, uh, when uh, when other campers see it, when other campers see it, they're going to 
show their displeasure by not coming back the next year. And the parents are not going to send their kids back right. the next year. So that will happen automatically. But you don't have to be the one responsible. It could just be that he had a really bad day and he was really upset and something happened and he just lost his cool and he never, ever did it again. And he actually felt bad about it and he apologized to you and, and he never did it again and he was very pleasant to you afterwards. And instead what happens is the word gets out and his camp closes down and he loses his, you know, his livelihood. Yes. I mean, he didn't do it again. He didn't exactly apologize, but I think my dad wanted me to teach me a lesson because in life there are, you have, and he just said, you have to learn how to handle these types of people. He was a Jewish man and it was Tacoma day camp. I mean, Eugene Deutsch, you know, but um, some people said, Oh, that's his way. And I don't, I don't buy that when somebody says that's their way, you know, somebody's way can't be uh, demeaning other people. That's That's right. Right. Okay. Let's ask Marty. Let's bring Marty in. Marty, have you ever been subject at work in a work situation where you've been the subject of abuse or, you know, something that that's upset you and how, how did you react? Well, I, you know, I, I can't think of anything right now offhand because I'm I'm such a model employee and I only, uh, you know, in my work life, I've only had one boss for five years and then I was my own boss for 30 something. But I, I can't think of anything that really, uh, you know, was uh, a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you know, that's a blessing. Sometimes you have to stop and think. You have to thank Hashem for something like that. You probably never thought about it so much. I'm guessing if you speak to a lot of people, they will tell you how they were the subject of, um, you know, some 30 seconds now. You know, uh, so sometimes, sometimes it takes a, a person like, you know, Steve, to remind, to remember an incident that happened to him that allows you to feel gratitude that you didn't have to go through something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, we, uh, we are grateful, you know, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, but really being a Jew means giving thanks every single day. And we say that when we wake up in the morning, we say, Modeani. And I just heard a beautiful idea that the first blessing we make when we wake up in the morning, we make a number of blessings, thanking God for our eyesight, for our uh, being able to walk. Uh, but the first thing we, are, we thank Hashem is for our wisdom. But the way we phrase it is the wisdom of a, a rooster to know when the day begins. And he, and he, he crows and, and we know when the day daybreak is. So the rabbis say that that's to teach us that we should be grateful for every single bit of wisdom that we have. Not that we are smart and we were successful and we, you know, we, we did very well in school, but every single thing that we are able to think about well, and do. I've got me and I've got him talking, but I can't seem to get audio. I know that's oh, my problem. It's so okay. right. I actually. All right, so uh, I've got Mark on, but he can't hear me, so he's, uh, he's struggling. Okay, um, so you know, in fact, 
I think I might have mentioned this to you. The, the one name that we uh, that we speak about is the the name Yehuda that was given by Leah to her fourth child, because she she understood that there were going to be twelve tribes and there were four wives, and she thought everybody was going to get three children. When she got the fourth child, she named her son Yehuda, which is an expression of thanks. The word. Yehuda and Modeh have got the same root. So she was basically thanking Hashem for giving her something that she didn't deserve. That I mean, every child is 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 a gift, but she was given, she felt she was given given something extra. And we of all the 12 tribes, of all the 12 tribes, we um we are named after Yehuda. We are called Yehudim. That's where the word Jew comes from. Yehuda and uh, in Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word for a Jew is Yehudi, which comes from Yehuda. So uh, I guess the lesson that we can take from, from this uh, is twofold. The one is that we always have to be careful how we treat other people. Uh, even if you're not an employer, but you are occasionally in charge of other people, or you're running a meeting, or you're uh, organizing something. And we learn from how Yaakov was mistreated, how to treat people well. That's the, uh, that's the goal, you know. Um, so that's number, you know, that's number one. And then the second part is, how do you deal with abuse when, when it does come your way? Do you respond and make a big deal about it because you're trying to protect yourself and protect others? Or do you first figure out whether it is uh, a once-off thing and, it, and it's not to be repeated uh, or not, if it's an ongoing thing? And that takes, that takes wisdom. That takes, and, and takes learning these lessons at a deep level. Um, so uh, let, me, let me share with you one more let me share with you one more idea, and then I'm going to open it up for any questions that you have. Uh, this week's Torah portion uh, teaches us something without even saying anything. Uh, and what I mean by that is that the beginning of the Torah portion, if you look at a Torah scroll, if you look at, at, the, at the actual words of this week's parasha, there's no break between the end of last week's Parsha and this week's Parsha. Last week's Parsha was Toldois. This week's Parsha is Vayetze. There is no, there's no break between, um, there's no break between the two. So the rabbis say that what's the reason for that? The reason is that Yaakov was going into exile. He was going into exile from Israel and it was going to be a long time before he came back. And that's symptomatic, and that's a, a sign for us as Jews that are living in outside of Israel. And even the Jews that are in Israel, we are not in control of our own destiny. That there's a where our temple was, there's now a, a, a mosque. So we're in exile both in Israel and outside of Israel. And what this was coming to teach us was that just like Jacob's eyes and his mind were closed off to some extent, and he wasn't able to experience God in the full 
uh, way that he did when he was in Israel. Uh, and we find this in uh, two other places in, uh, you know, in the Torah. One of them, one of them is by by Balak, the the non-Jewish prophet, uh, who uh, there's also the whole episode of Balak. There's no there's no interruption. There's no paragraph spaces. Uh, where they tell when they tell that particular story, and the reason why that happens um, is uh, that Balak was he was also close. He was not getting the message that God, that God was sending to him. And then the the final one is um, when when Yaakov died, uh, and just as he was giving the blessings to the twelve tribes. The, the, that was when the Jewish people were subjugated by the Egyptians to the slavery. And, and the rabbis say that just, just like Yaakov, um, uh, he died. So, uh, and he was, so to speak, he was uh, uh, prevented from you know, helping his children. So too, the, the Jewish people, when we are in exile, we are somewhat distant from God and we, and we are at the mercy of, you know, the non-Jewish nations. But the, the one lesson I just want to share with, with all of you, which I think is also important, is that why do, you, why do you think that there are paragraph spaces altogether in the Torah? You know, the Torah is God's instructions to us. It's, a, it's not just a history book. It's not a novel that we read. You know, when you read a novel, so you, you have paragraphs, you have chapters. Why did the Torah have to make those breaks uh, between parshas and, uh, and stories in the Torah? Any, anybody have any suggestions? No. You don't, Marty, you know what I'm talking about when I say that there's interruptions. There's, yeah, no, I Right. Sometimes in the middle of a, a line, there'll be a break. Sometimes at the end of a yeah. line, no, there'll be a break. Yeah. Because they want you to think about it. If you don't have a break, everything can run together. That's what I would have but thought, when, too. Well, wow, beautiful. When you have breaks, it makes each each thing separate Just and everything's more important. So um, and everything stands on its own. Each lesson is. I mean, the whole Torah is a lesson. Is a lesson, but each part of it is its own lesson. You know, Steve and Marty, that is the correct answer. Well done. That's exactly. Thank you. That's exactly what the rabbis say. They say that when Hashem told Moshe to write down the Torah, He told him to write it down with these paragraph breaks, so that he would stop and he would reflect and he would think what the lessons were, so that he could pass it on to. Uh, you know, the rest of the Jewish people to, to Joshua and the elders and, and the rest of the Jewish people. And then it was written down for us. So we would also pause and, and, and reflect on, on the Torah portion. But it's also, I would say that that's, that's, one of, that's one of the gifts of Shabbos. One of the gifts of Shabbos is not just that you're taking a rest, but it just gives you a chance to pause and reflect and think back about how this week went and what happened this week and what's going to happen next week. So 
you know, for example, if I come to the end of this week, I'm going to be thinking about clean speech and, and you know, everything that went well and the things that we need to do to really make it more successful. Steve's going to be thinking about the wedding coming up and all the exciting things that he has to get ready for. Now, um, I just, uh, I won't say their names because uh, I don't want to, they, they'll be embarrassed, but I was just visiting someone who's celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary this this month. And I asked them, I asked them, you know, like what's, you know, what's their secret to 50 years of marriage. And I said, they should really, you know, they should speak about it. They should write it down or they should tell their children, tell their children what the, what, what makes a successful marriage. Now, Steve, I would say the same thing to you. You know, you've got Charlie and Philip who respect you, Cindy enormously, but without even, you know, uh, hearing a word from you, they, they are in the presence of, you know, two people who've had, you know, a successful marriage for many, many years. And it might be a good idea, you know, for the two of you to sit down with your future daughters-in-law and your son and just share some of your wisdom. There's no, there's no, um, just like, again, just like, like Moses, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, he, he, he taught us everything that he knew and he, and he taught us the lessons. And as you get older, there are lots of life lessons that you learn. Marty also does something similar when he, uh, you know, he meets with students, he shares some of his life lessons. So that could be something, but I think be, before you do that, you're not just going to, you know, rush into it. You're going to sit down with Cindy or you're going to sit down with yourself and you're going to think to yourself, like what, what is it that makes a successful marriage? And maybe you'll think back to your parents' marriage, or maybe you'll think about other people and you'll ask them. And it's a, it might be a better gift to your children than any other gift you can give them. Um, uh, so any other, well, any other three thoughts Three days on that? before my son gets married, Cindy and I are our 37th anniversary. Wow. So that's, you know, that's not a coincidence. That, yeah. No, so people do ask me. They say thirty-seven years, or thirty-six years, or thirty years. Right. You know, what do you what do you think the secret is? And, and if I could boil it down to one thing, and I think it's just in general. I mean, a marriage is a relationship, and just relationships with friends. I mean, you know, what? Why do Marty and I are such close friends? Yeah, we right. like each other. We have fun with each other. But I'd like to think that we both respect each other also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for you sure. know, and, and, and that's, and that's it. And I have tremendous respect for Marty. I have tremendous respect for my wife. And right. I think, you know, without that, it, it, that's what you need as a basis. And, and like you said, clean speech, it's a form of respecting somebody. Seth. There you go. There you go. Listen, this is what I love about this class. Um, is, is you got such smart students. I've got, I've got, I've got smart students, but I've got, uh, no, I've got people that, that I can learn from as well. You know, you can, you can learn things from a friendship like this. That's a very special thing, you know, to have a friendship for such a, all right. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do one more I have thing. I no money longer than my wife. So, you know, so. yeah, that's you, right. what did you, what did you just say? What did you say, Steve? I said, I've known you lo longer than Cindy. Oh, Marty. I absolutely. mean, I've known you over 40, 40 years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've known Cindy for this, this year was 40 years that Cindy and I met. And we're know, like 45 so, years, aren't we? Yes, we are, which is unbelievable. Oh. And we're still talking to each other. 
Um, <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Well, let me just, uh, let me see if Mona or, or so, so Zen, I apologize. I, I do need to, I have a call in 10 minutes that I need to prepare for, but thank you Excellent. for everything today. Steve, it's great. I'll be on next week. All right. And we'll, we'll talk about getting together, Marty and, and, uh, three of us together and Absolutely. Listen, just, just have a good week. And thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining. All right. So, um, my, my I, pleasure. Marty, I'm going to just bye, Steve. I'm going to share this video one more time. I'm going to share my screen and just show you today's video. Tell me what you think. Hold on a second. Um, okay. Uh, now, how do I wait a second? Um, stop share. Um, I don't know why it is, but I'm going to shower. We're going to meet him at six there. Speaking Lashon Hara is bad enough when it's about one individual, but talking about a whole group of people is exponentially making negative comments about whole groups of people. You know the old joke about the Jew stranded on a desert island? By the time he was rescued, he had built himself a whole town. Before he left the island, he gave his rescuers a tour of the house, the gym, and the two synagogues he made. Why do you need two synagogues, they asked him. Well, this is my synagogue, he said, and that synagogue, I wouldn't set foot in it. For some reason, it's easier to make offensive comments about a kid from that school or a member from that synagogue. We tell ourselves, I wasn't talking about anyone in particular. I didn't say anyone's name. But by leaving out the name of the person, the insulting comment then refers to every kid at that school and every member of that synagogue. The kids from that school are so disrespectful. The members of that synagogue don't really care. When Bernie Madoff was arrested in 2009 for his horrible Ponzi scheme, Anti-Semites gleefully described him as a Jewish thief. The implication was that all Jews are thieves. It became an easy way to target one group, Jews. Similarly, if we draw attention to the fact that something wrong is being done by one of them or one of those you-know-whos, then we are in fact besmirching that whole group. It's Lashon Hara to express disdain for a whole group or community, whether Sephardic, Ashkenazic, Reform, conservative, orthodox, Israeli, Russian, or any other group. Henry Thomas Buckle, English historian and author, said, Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. And it doesn't help if we are members of the group that we're talking about. Even if we might not mind or take offense at our comments, other people in the group might. Daily to do? Today, keep your ears open for comments that address a whole group of people at one time. Think about how you might modify your own speech to eliminate such comments. My name is Steve Miller, and I'm keeping it clean. All right, so there you go. Uh, that was today's video. And um, 
it's day 10. So Marty, you've got still 20, you've got 20 more days to go. You can sign up and still get 20 you know, more days. I, you know, Zev, I, I'm getting these. I think I, in fact, I, I'm going to look right now. I think I'm getting these emails. Okay, fantastic. Well, I hope you enjoy them. So let me look. I'm going to look right now. Can you hear me? Let's. Um, yeah, Clean Speech Illinois at 2.59. Okay. All right. So yeah. now, what I, now what I want you to do is to share it with your friends. Okay. Tell your, you know, because these yeah, are, that, that lesson is a great, great lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so listen, let me stop. Let me wish you a good show. So I'm going to stop the recording and then uh, you can ask me any questions you want. And I hope, uh, uh, just hold on one second. Um, let me stop the recording. Okay.